yeah, I think they thought it was just a hobby or like a phase and, and it was just like, it would go away. I was focused on it, but there was definitely times where I doubted that, oh yeah, this is probably not gonna turn into something full time. So I still gotta make sure I go to college and just support them now. They see what it's turned into. So it's just a beautiful thing to see them, uh, you know, support me now, so. Hey guys, before you tune into this episode, make sure you subscribe to Amplify Africa's YouTube channel so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. And then once you're done watching, please like the video and comment on who you want to see me interview next. Hello and welcome to Amplified Voices, where we highlight Black voices around the world that are making an impact within their respective industries. My name is Debbie Alambru and I'm your host. Today, I'm excited to be joined by the man behind the music, and it's not a VH1 special. He's an Ethiopian entrepreneur with an ear for discovering stars. A first-generation record label leader bringing the culture to your eardrums, he went from the guy at the door to the man behind the curtains, proving that anything really is possible. Henny Igazu, welcome to Amplified Voices. How are you? What's up, Debbie? How you doing? That was a, a crazy intro. Thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you again for joining us. Now, Henny, jumping right into it, I'm curious to know, how old were you when you went to your first live concert and who did you go to see? Yeah, the first one, I was, I think I was like 17 and it was the Glow in the Dark tour. I, may, I maybe went to some like Disney on Ice stuff before that, but the first concert that like I went with friends and really had a good time. And I, I never forget it because it was, it was Kanye West headlining Rihanna opening and this is like Rihanna's first album so you know and then NERD as well so it was it was in the same lineup. Wow that is a dope lineup. Now what yeah, songs influenced you the most as a child and why? Mm. You know one of my first real times I remember like loving a, a hip-hop record especially just loving a song was uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony Crossroads like my cousin put me onto that song I think that was like 94, 95, I was probably like five or six, but I can like vividly remember like remembering all the lyrics and like watching that music video come on, you know, back then the box and MTV like all the time. And I have like a lot of memories around that record, like really early ones. What other music did your parents play? How much do you think that that shaped you and your ear for music? My dad especially was is, was super into James Brown, still is. Mm. You know, I remember him driving us to school early on and He's playing James Brown, Curtis Mayfield, um, you know, like Isaac Hayes, like that type of stuff. But a lot of like up-tempo music um, and then Ethiopian music, too. You know, I think my, it's funny. I don't really remember my mom playing a lot of English music. She usually would play Ethiopian music in the car. Um, and I think, you know, t tons of melody, really interesting instruments. I think that stuff totally shaped my ear for stuff that just feels a little bit different and left, you know. And that's what I kind of heard around the house growing up. Now, if you could be any artist, dead or alive, for a day, who would it be and why? You know, I'll actually say Pharrell on this one. Just the way that he's been able to span different mm -hmm. decades is just crazy, like crazy. He's really shaped like the way music sounds now. I often joke about African parents only wanting their children to become doctors, lawyers, and engineers, but in truth, that, that is how they think. So what was mm. your parents' reaction to you pursuing a career in the music business? Yeah, I think they thought it was just a hobby or like a phase and, and it would just like, it would go away. So even for me, it, it did feel like this dream and I, you know, I was, I was focused on it, but there was definitely times where I doubted that, oh yeah, this is probably not going to turn into something full time. So I still got to make sure I go to college and 
especially as a first generation African kid. I don't think we get raised to have like only plan A's, right? <laughs> yeah, but you know, they're they're supportive now. They see what it's turned into. So it's it's a beautiful thing to see them uh, you know, support me now. So now what was your first job in the industry? I was always a huge fan of music, but when I got into college, I sort of had this like, all right, cool, the pipe dream is over. Let me wake up and like just yeah. focus on on uh on school. So that drew me back in and just put me around music. But this time it put me more around the business side of things, you know, seeing them have their own recording studio, seeing them bring artists in town for for club walkthroughs and gigs. And it just kind of put me in that environment. So did you have a rap name? Yeah, actually, <laughs> in high school, in high school, they called me Eddie, yeah. Um, now, in 20, 2015, you co-founded EQT, which is a full-service music company that includes management, publishing, recording, and distribution. Talk to me a little bit about how that came to be. Some managers' skill set is like managing the business, having great relationships. Some managers' skill set is developing and really being an A&R and being in the room early and connecting them with producers. And, you know, even though I came from the promotion side, that having a studio in DC because I had a, had a studio in, in the same building as my office for my promotion company, I really started to develop that skill and just being someone that was around music early on too. And then my partner was had like more of a marketing and PR brain. Um, you know, he was a publicist for years. It was kind of like the perfect marriage. You know, like I was live in studio and he was like marketing and, and PR and sort of like label relations. So, and it just felt like a natural transition from being managers that started to see success and then evolving into uh, into a record label. What was the hardest part of that process and just being taken seriously in the music industry? Just believing in what you're doing and like, you know, keeping your head down and um, you know, you comparison, like what's that saying? Comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. You know, you can look at your peers or certain people that are like, you have relationships with that are having like huge, huge success, but you got to focus on what success looks like for your artists, right? And what success looks like for the space that you're operating in. Over the last few years, it's definitely been challenging, but like, you know, I'm only better for it. So it's been great. A lot of label executives are looking to sign superstars, but that's not the reality, right? It takes, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, a lot of hard work to develop someone into a star. So what do you look for in an artist when you're considering whether to sign them? Like what's the secret sauce that you need to see? You know, it's, it starts and ends with the music. Um, the artist has to have the vision. Uh, me and my partner are strong on believing like we're following the artist's vision. We're not creating their vision. We just, we're just probably the, the people that understand their vision better than anyone else and then help amplify it, right? Um, so artists with a real, real distinct vision that know what they want for themselves. And that's musically, visually, their taste, how they sort of look at the world, how they look at music. All that stuff is super important for someone that actually has sort of like the internal tools to to become a star, right? And become the biggest version of themselves. You know, you know that's important to us. Now, EQT has a really dope roster of artists and many of them represent the diaspora. So just looking at a couple, you know, you have Masego, who's Jamaican. His name is the South African word for blessing. And he recently mm -hmm. toured Africa. Then you have Barhana, who's a first generation Ethiopian. Um, and just last year documented his visit to the country for the first time where he was able to connect with Ethiopian music legend, Dr. Mulatu Askatka, which yes. is huge. Now, why is it important to you that your label represents and values the diaspora? It's not a coincidence that you're seeing so many first-generation kids enter music, right? There's, you know, Amine, obviously The Weeknd and Mariba and, you know, all the Nigerian artists that are killing it in rap right now, you know, it's, or so it's 
they need, I feel like they need a support system and a place that understands like that part of their story is super important. Like really it's changed a lot. Now, like our culture is getting embraced. Immigrant culture is getting embraced. You're seeing it left and right on social media, seeing that and being able to tell that story through the music is just super exciting, I think. So you've been in this industry for over a decade and have gone from buying tapes as a kid, CDs as a young adult, and then now we have all of these digital platforms. How do you think that streaming has affected people's accessibility to artists and is streaming a good thing for artists or not? The amount of music that's coming out every day on Spotify and Apple and just in general um, is a little bit overwhelming. I think it's creating such a flood of new music, new content. It's, it is harder for like the right stuff to go to the top. On the flip side, it, it really democratized the ability to get your music out there and to find an audience. And you might have to work a little bit harder once the song is out there than you did a few years ago, but like it does at least give you a platform and access. Another big thing too, is that it creates more of a middle class for artists. Now it's like you're getting paid every single time somebody listens. Yeah, it might not be much money at all, but it does add up. The way stream is going to affect music 20 years from now really looks like super, super positive. Now, yeah. what has been the biggest blessing and curse of quarantine for you? The biggest blessing is definitely being able to like sit, sit still, you know, for the most part. It causes you to travel. You know, I was, even if I wasn't going to festivals and I haven't been like tour managing or on the road for a long time, but I still would like make sure I'm popping into all my artists' biggest shows or maybe doing like a whole leg with them, um, you know, so to, to be able to like sit down not have to worry about that. <laughs> Get your thoughts together. Um, it's been it's been cool. Okay, and the biggest curse? So I guess touring going away. We, you kind of take that for granted. You know, that's a big way that we've been able to develop all of our bigger artists is is through touring. And though they kind of missed that moment, not that it's going to completely go away, but there's like 18 months of them not being able to figure out where their fans are and create that energy. Um, and even for the biggest biggest the bigger artists too you missed that whole cycle of making money. And, uh, you know, that's that's definitely been a curse. Yeah, man, I miss live shows. I cannot wait until things are back to normal. The industry is not easy to break into at all. So have there ever been times where you felt like quitting? And if so, what kept you going? I want to say no, but there's definitely been, you know, there's definitely hard times, but there's no real reason to quit, right? Like there's, there, there's not necessarily a bunch of stuff you can fall back on, but you can always move forward because you had it better than they had it right so you know I think I always kind of keep that in the back of my mind and if you love what you do it doesn't really feel like work so you you know you just you almost are just doing it so naturally that it doesn't uh you just continue to move forward you know without really second thoughts. Now in 2018 you made a really impressive and one-of-a-kind deal that allowed you to work with any label within Universal Music Group and still operate independently. Some people would just be content to get any deal and some would quite frankly be too afraid to ask for more. So why was freedom and flexibility so important to you? There's no one size fits all blueprint on how an artist breaks. So like if anyone tells you like, oh, this is how you should do it. You know, it's not, it's not cookie cutter, right? So, yeah. uh, and it's about what works for you, you know, like that's not, maybe that's not what another executive or manager or artist right. needs, but that's what, you know, worked well for us. Can you share three tips on building a top tier management team? First, it's about the, the relationship, you know, making sure that you guys are really in sync creatively. And that's, I think that's a big part of the relationship that you guys understand, you know, what, what your real, what your vision is, what your end goals are, uh, being in sync and, and having a strong relationship where you guys can argue and fight and still kind of get to the next milestone, right? That comes first. 
experience is definitely the best teacher, you know, like someone that understands, you know, at, at least the things that they don't know, they're willing to take the time to go find out and say, I don't know that, like, that's totally cool. And that's, you know, that's important to have that. Um, so I think as you keep those few things in mind, you, you should be able to build a good team. Okay, that's dope. So relationship, yeah. got to make sure you're on the same wavelength, same vision, mm -hmm. organization, so you can just juggle everything that you got to juggle. And then yeah. um, relationship. A lot of people have started their own record label, but not many are actually successful at it. So what is it that you've done to ensure your success? It's really about it's like a compass, right? Like, you know, you know, the, the art and the music for the space that you're in as well as anybody and you're focused on the thing that sort of drives your passion and what you're really excited about you wouldn't get into the business unless you love music so make sure you're like following that compass um and your passion for music while taking all the relatability of like the different businesses maybe that you've been across or different mentors have been across and taking all that information in and applying it to your creative compass i think it's super important now, Henny, with running a label and leading a management team, I know that you wear many hats. So what does an average day for you look like? Get up as early as I can, 6, 7 a.m., try to get a workout in. Hopefully that happens. Usually sometimes it doesn't <laughs> go to the next, uh, the next, you know, get, get on like sort of like that first call, you know, uh, check in with my team, do it again. So, you know, it's kind of a, a continuous cycle. What does it take to be defined as a music mogul? Being a music mogul, I feel like it's really identifying that music moves culture and the music that you're a part of moves culture and, and understanding how to build businesses and monetize around that culture. You know, that's what really makes a great mogul. It's like that that strategy of how, and you're not going to win all the time and you're totally cool to fail and keep going, you know, and being able to develop uh, wins whenever you can around your artists and around your businesses, taking that to the next level. Okay. So what do you want your legacy to be? I would love to, you know, have a EQT documentary one time and you get 30 years from now and you go through sort of like, you know, how, how us, you know, as a team and, and with our artists, like really shaped sort of the sound that music was going in. I think that, that to me is, uh, I would love for that to be a big, a big part of my legacy. Wow. I love that. All right, now it's time for my favorite part of the show where I get to play a game with my guest. And today, Henny and I will be playing over or under. Now it's simple. I'll ask a question that includes a number. And Henny, you have to tell me whether your answer is over or under that number, okay? Over or under, you will retire by the age of 50. Probably over. Over, yeah. okay. All right, over or under, you get six hours of sleep on average per night. That's a tough one because I try to get over, but let's say under. <laughs> okay, that's the same as me. Over or yeah. under, you stream five hours of music a day. Say over. Over or under, you work 40 hours a week. Over, definitely. Over or under, you have two cups of coffee a day. I had I probably had two cups of coffee a day. Is that, can I say equal? Yeah, that's <laughs> or fine. Over <laughs> or under, pre-COVID, you would go to 10 live shows in a month. Over, say over. Yeah. Okay. Over or under, you take 15 calls a day. Yeah, we'll say over. <laughs> okay. Over or under, you're currently binging two TV shows. I'm not even aware. I don't know what I'm watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Over or under, you eat injera once a week. 
I wish it was over, but it's under. Okay. If I'm at home, I'm eating injera, but in LA, nah. Okay, that's fair. And to anyone that doesn't know, injera is Ethiopian food. And if you haven't tried it, then you need to try it. Um, over or under, you talk to your parents four times a week. I wish that was another one that was over too, but it's probably under, probably like once or twice a week. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Well, Henny, thank yeah. you so much for joining Amplified Voices. That's all we have time for today, but I wish you the best of luck with EQT and I will definitely be watching out for that documentary in the years to come. <laughs> thank you, yeah, appreciate it, Debbie. Yeah, and I appreciate the Amplify Africa fam, always doing dope stuff, um, always down to support. So thanks for this interview, appreciate it. My agenda of the week is allow yourself to dream big. With courage and conviction, you can make anything happen for yourself. Do not be afraid to take up space in any industry because you deserve a seat at the table. And you know what? It's not easy, but you can always build yourself a whole new table. Hey guys, thanks so much for watching. If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified every time a new episode drops. Like this video and comment down below and let us know what your favorite part of the interview was and who you wanna see us interview next. Thank you, see you guys next time.